All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, now as we come to this time of worshiping you with our minds, Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts to hear your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, that you would write the eternal truth in your word on our hearts. Lord, may we understand how our stewardship leads to worship as a part of our worship as we look at our text today. Or bless us now in this time. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Looking at verses 9 and 10 today. Just two verses. No, we're not going to get out any earlier. It's right. I can pull a lot out of two verses. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And if you do not have your Bible with you, you can, uh, I invite you to turn to page 495 in the Pew Bible. 495 in the Pew Bible. And if you do not have a Bible at home, then I invite you to take that Bible with you. And that's our gift to you. We want everyone to have a copy of God's Word. So please take that as a gift and read it, use it. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. You know, often Christians are quick to honor God with our hearts or give our hearts to God, uh, but we're a little slower with our wallets. Now, that wasn't the case with Sam Houston. Now, Sam Houston, the great Texan who uh, was the first president of the Texan Republic and, and did many wonderful things for Texas, Sam Houston in his youth was known as kind of a uh, a rough man, one who, who got down and dirty and, and uh, liked to party. He was known to be a womanizer and a drunk. But he married a woman, Margaret Lee, who was a, a devoted Baptist. And she prayed for Sam, and she encouraged Sam to go with her to church. And so one Sunday when Sam was there in church and his brother Rufus, um, what was his name, Brother Rufus Burleson, Rufus Burleson was uh, preaching the message. Sam's heart was softened, and he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, that afternoon, as uh, Burleson and, and Houston walked down to the creek for baptism, Brother Burleson turned to Houston and said, Well, you might want to take your wallet out of your pocket because it's going to get wet. And he said, uh, Sam Houston turned to him and said, well, you know, I guess uh, really my wallet, it needs to be baptized too. And so Sam Houston allowed his wallet to be baptized with him. And sure enough, he proved to be a great contributor to the kingdom work, to the, gospel, the cause of Christ throughout his life. He gave not only his heart to Christ, but he also honored God with his wallet. He gave his wallet to God. And as we look at today's text, that's what we learn today. We learn this, to honor God with your wallet. Honor God with your wallet. And so today we're looking at God honoring stewardship. And we're going to see here in this text four principles of stewardship. Now, when we talk about stewardship, stewardship is kind of a broad subject. Now, stewardship includes how, how we manage the resources that God has blessed us with and, and use them for his glory. But today we're focusing in on the giving part of stewardship, on the giving part. So we're looking at how we should be giving to God. 
And so as we look at this, I hope to encourage you to honor God through faithful stewardship. Now, give credit where credit is due. The basic outline of today's message comes from O.S. Hawkins and his, money, his book, Money Talks. It's just the basic outline. He, he expounded this text well, and, uh, but the rest of the content's mine. It's just the outline that's his. But I want to make sure I give credit where credit is due there. So let's get right into this. Let's look at our text. It's very short, so let me just uh, read it to you. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. As we look at this text, the first characteristic that we notice here in the text is the purpose of stewardship. The purpose of stewardship. The purpose of stewardship is to honor God. The purpose of stewardship is to honor God. And that's the way the text starts, honor the Lord, honor the Lord. Now, what does it mean to honor God? The word there, honor, the Hebrew word behind honor, uh, means to be weighty or, or to show the heaviness of something. And maybe you've heard the phrase saying before, man, that's some heavy stuff, right? Uh, that's some weighty stuff. Well, to honor God is to show his weightiness, to show that he's heavy, to show that, that uh, he is worthy. He is worthy of our worship and praise. And that's what he's getting at here. Honor God. Worship God. Worship God with your wealth. Worship him. You know, giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. As we come and worship every week, week after week, you know, we, we worship with our hearts, with our emotions by singing praises to God. Man, I hope that you, you worship. As you sing, you're, you're emotional and you're worshiping God with your heart and your emotions. And when we come to this time of the service, we, we worship God with our minds by listening to his word and, and applying his word to our lives. And hopefully we take the lessons that we learn and, and apply that to our lives so that we become transformed to become more like Christ. So we worship God with our emotions, with our heart, and we worship him with our minds, but we also worship him with our possessions. And we do that when we pass the offering plate. When you put money into the offering plate, you're not just giving to another good cause. The purpose of your giving is not just to keep the lights on, right? That is what we use it for. That's one thing that we use it for. We are able to keep the lights on. We're able to do the ministry that we do by your giving. But that is not the primary purpose of your giving, if you don't give a thing, you're not going to slow down God's kingdom work. God will provide. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything in creation is his. God can provide for himself. He doesn't need your money. The primary purpose for giving is to worship God, to show that God is worthy. He is worthy. And so we're called to honor God, to worship him through our stewardship. Regular giving is worship. It is worship. It is honoring God. So that's the purpose of our stewardship. Second, we see the product of our stewardship. 
the product of our stewardship. The product of our stewardship is our personal resources. The product of our our stewardship is our personal resources. Look there at the text again. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, first of all, I want to start with that word with, with there. Uh, The word behind it, the Greek word is the Greek, or the Hebrew word, excuse me, is the word men. Uh, Now, that word in Hebrew, it can mean with, but predominantly in the Old Testament, it's often translated as from or out of. And so I think actually the New, the NASB, the NASB uh, translation, New American Standard translation, actually gets this better because they translate it, honor the Lord from your wealth. And that's what he's getting at here. We're to honor the Lord from our wealth. You see, you can honor the Lord with your wealth by taking your wife, wife out for a nice anniversary dinner, right? You, you can honor the Lord with your wealth that way. But what he's getting at here is that you honor him from your wealth. It is an act of giving from your wealth. So we honor it from our wealth. But now some of you say, well, honor from my wealth. I don't have wealth. I'm I'm a poor boy, right? I'm broke. I don't have wealth. Well, again, that word wealth there doesn't mean like riches, It doesn't mean that. It means property or resources. It means your means, whatever they may be. It may be a lot. You may be wealthy, but it may be very little. You may be broke. But whatever means you have, the psalmist here, or the the Solomon here writing this proverb to us, says, honor the Lord out of your means, out of your property. Whatever it is that the Lord has blessed you with, honor the Lord with it. Now, Show me a man's checkbook or his bank account, and I'll show you what he loves most. Because here's the fact of the matter. No matter if we make a lot or we make a little, what we spend our money on really shows us what we love. If a person spends a lot of money on all their toys, then guess what? What they really love is all their toys. If parents spend all their money on their children, then guess what? What they love most are their children. But those who love the Lord, they really give to the Lord. You spend your money on what you love most. You know, that's why this is is such a, a major issue in Scripture. Giving back to the Lord. Uh, throughout Scripture, God calls us to give to Him because we show what we love most with our wealth, with our resources. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So let me ask you, think of your checking, your checkbook. Think of your bank account. What does it show you love most? Is it God or is it something else? We're called here to honor God from our personal resources, honor him from our money. Now you say, well, I don't have much. Well, that's okay. In Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, Jesus sitting there at the temple, he observes all the rich people coming in, putting in money after money after money, and then he watches a a little old widow coming up with two pennies. She put in two pennies. 
And Jesus said, he commanded her and said, she's given more than any of the rest of them because she gave all she had to live on. Whether you have a little or whether you have a lot, whatever it is, give to the Lord. Honor him with what you have, and he will honor you. So we are to honor the Lord with our wealth out of our personal resources. So we've seen the purpose and the product of our stewardship. Now, third of all, we notice the priority of our stewardship. The priority of our stewardship. The priority of our stewardship is our first fruits. The priority of our stewardship is our first fruits. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Now, first fruits there. Now, uh, this is a agrarian, agrarian uh, culture that's there, a farming culture that Jesus, or excuse me, as Solomon is talking to. And so uh, they had a, a real good concept of first fruits. We, we kind of probably, we most likely have a good idea of this. It means the very first portion or the best portion of what we have, right? Now, it's harvest season over in the Delta. And uh, this year we've seen a, a good bit more cotton than in the year, few years past. And, and I think they, they cut it a little bit different these these time, these. You know, in these days, they pick cotton a little bit different. But I remember not too long ago, uh, they used to pick cotton twice. Uh, they would run the combine through there and pick it twice. And the first picking, well, that was the first fruits, right? But still, there was a lot of uh, cotton left on the plant. So if you draw, drove by there, you'd still see a lot of cotton there on the plant. And so they would, they would go through a second time, and this was what they called scrapping, they would get the scraps off of the plant. They won't get all of it, so they, they would scrap it. You know, oftentimes that's what so many people give God. They don't give God the first fruits. They give God their scraps. So they, they come to church, and you reach in your pocket, and you, you know, oh, what, what change do I got? All right, God, there you go. There's my scraps. God doesn't want your scraps. God's worth more than your scraps. He wants your first fruits. That means your first paycheck or the first, pay, or the first check that you write from a paycheck. It goes to God. Not to the electric company and not to the phone company, not to the cable company, not to uh, even the bank. Your first check should be written to God, the first fruits. That's the first fruits of your possessions, of your resources. So we are to honor God with our first fruits. The first check out of our paycheck goes to God. But then notice, you say, ask, well, how much do I give? Because, you know, I, I remember uh, back a few years ago, I worked for a company, and, and they had a dollar hanging up on their, their wall. And I was like, what is the dollar? Oh, that's the first dollar we made, Right? Uh, and so a dollar, we could think, well, I'll give him the first fruits, I'll give him the first dollar of my paycheck. But what does it mean to give from all of our produce? That's what he says here, give from all of our produce. And that means you give God from the gross amount. You give God to, to God from the gross amount. 
So people will ask, well, do I give from the net amount or the gross amount? Because we get that on our paychecks, right? The government always kind of gets their first div right off the bat before we ever get it. It's taken out, and it goes to them. So do you give off of the net amount, what you actually get, or do you give off the gross amount? You give off the gross amount. He makes it clear, all of your produce, all of your produce. So whatever it is, whatever, whatever your paycheck comes to, whatever the gross amount is, you give from all of it. Well, then that comes to that question, backing up a little bit, how much do I give from my first fruits? How much do I give from my first fruits? Is it a dollar? Is it just a few dollars? Oh, what is it? Well, the biblical starting point for giving to God is the tithe. The biblical starting point, now notice what I'm saying there, the starting point is the tithe. Now, a lot of people have said in the past, well, have told me, well, the tithe, that was the law, wasn't it? That was the law. No. We see it in the law, but we also see it before the law. It was Abraham before the law ever came into place. Abraham paid a tithe to Melchizedek, who was a high priest of the Lord God. So Abraham paid the tithe. And then God established the tithe within the law to support the, the, the worship uh, practices in the temple and the tabernacle. And so God continued this idea of the tithe. And then the tithe continues even on to Jesus. Jesus recommends the tithe uh, in Matthew 23, 23. So what is the tithe? Well, tithe actually means 10%. 10%. So you take your check, you look at the gross amount, you figure out 10% of that gross amount, and the biblical standard, the biblical starting point is 10% of whatever you make. Whatever you make, 10% goes to God. That's the biblical starting point. Now, where do you give that money? Because a lot of people give it to different things. They'll give a little bit to the church, and they'll give a little bit over here to this thing, and, they'll give, and, and we can just give it wherever we want to. No, no, no. That 10% comes to the church. That 10% comes to the church for the ordinary ministry of the kingdom. Again, Old Testament, Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, God says, The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And so it was brought to the temple for the ordinary work of the Lord, the ordinary kingdom work of the Lord. We say, well, again, that's Old Testament. Well, the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, Paul says to the church at Corinth, on the first day of every week, that is the time when the church comes together in the New Testament. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he has prospered, as he may prosper. And if you go and read there, it's for the work of the ministry, the the ordinary work of the ministry. And so Old Testament, New Testament tells the people, tells the church to bring it into the church. And so that tithe, that 10%, that starting point, it automatically comes to the local church for the ordinary work of the ministry. That's where it starts. It, you know, if God has called you to be here, 
He's not called you to some other church down the road or some other church across the country. He's called you to be here. And if he's called you to be here, to be a part of this body, then part of that calling here is that you would support the local ministry of the church as we take the gospel to Bastrop and Morehouse Parish and to the world. And so if you want to be faithful in your stewardship, be faithful to at least tithe to the local church, to this church, your church home. Now, notice I said that's the starting point. But understand that grace may call for more than 10%. Grace oftentimes calls for more than 10%. Zacchaeus gave half of his possessions to the Lord. Others gave all of their possessions to the Lord. He doesn't call all to give that much, but he does call us to give more oftentimes. Well, I, one of my... Uh, Great heroes of the faith, contemporary heroes of the faith is, is John Piper. And I remember several years ago, went to a conference up in Minneapolis where John Piper was the pastor of the church there. And, uh, of course, we were kind of, we did a little stalking, I'll admit. We, we did a little stalking. We, we looked up John Piper's house. Let's, let's drive by, see what his house looks like. You know, John Piper, was a, he was a well-known pastor, and he, he'd sold millions of books at this time. And so we wanted to go by and see his house. Well, we drove by his house. We found it on, on the map, and we drove by John Piper's house, and we looked, and it was just an ordinary, regular old house. The cars were sitting there in the driveway, and there were nothing special. They were just ordinary, regular cars. Nothing spectacular whatsoever. And then I learned that somewhere along the way, when John Piper began to start making money off of books, as his books began to start selling millions and millions and millions of copies, he began to ask himself, oh, what am I going to do with this money? And the Lord convicted him, you need to give it away. And so Piper, he said, he got with his wife, Noel, and he said, all right, what can we live off of? What can we live off of? And so they figured up, what it would take just to live, not extravagant living, but just to live. And they said, that's what we'll take. The rest, we're going to give away. And they began to give to mission. They began to give to other wonderful causes for the gospel. Giving begins with 10%, the tithe. That's the biblical starting point. But grace may call you to give much more. Grace may call you to give much more. So, we give the priority of our stewardship is our first fruits. So, we must understand then that giving your first fruits to God is also an act of faith. I want to make this point. Giving your first fruits is an act of faith. It is an act of faith. Because you're, you're giving this. And for some of you, I know, it, man, I just don't know if I can make it if I take that off the top. If I write that check first, I, I'm not sure something might come up. That giving is an act of faith. 
It's trusting that God is the provider and he will continue to provide. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. You see, the Lord has provided what you have. He has blessed you with the job you have. He has blessed you with your source of income, whatever that source may be. He has provided the power for you to get wealth. Therefore, honor the Lord. Trust in him and give. Give of your first fruits. Give of your first fruits. Some of you may not have been doing that. Maybe you're writing out all of your other bills and whatever's left over, you're giving to God. Change that. Be faithful to the word of God. Be a faithful steward. Start today. Determine today, I'm going to give my first fruits to God. Start writing that first check to at least 10% to the ministry of God. Honor God with your first fruits. So we've seen the purpose, the product, and the priority of our stewardship Finally, we have the promise of stewardship. We have the promise of stewardship. Oh, look what it says here. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then, then, consequently, this is the result, right? Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. In other words, what God is saying here, the promise here is the promise uh, of our stewardship is adequate provision. The promise of our stewardship is adequate provision. In other words, God will take care of your need. God will take care of your need. Now, I want you to understand here that this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. Now, that's not what Solomon is telling us here. Right? He, he's not telling us that. No, he says that uh, your barns will be filled with plenty. You'll have enough. You'll have enough. Your vats will be bursting or overflowing with wine. What he's saying is that God will provide your need. Now, if you look at this like some people do, and there's some preachers on television that'll tell you this, oh, if, you, if you're not wealthy, if you're not rich, it's because you're not giving enough. Send me some money, right? And that's not what the, the promise is. That's not what the promise is. And we know this by, by looking at the rest of Scripture. We know this by looking at other people, other great givers in Scripture. Jesus Christ himself was not rich as he lived on this earth. He says, the fox have holes and, and the, uh, all of this stuff, but I don't even have a place to lay my head. He had no home to go to. He was not a wealthy man. He, he lived in poverty. Paul, he knew wealth and he knew poverty. And, and all of it, he says, I am content. So he knew what it meant to have plenty, but he also knew what it meant to have nothing. But guess what? The Lord always provides for the need. He takes care of the need. I want you to see the rest, this promise in, in other places in Scripture. Because this promise is throughout Scripture. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10 says, Will man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you and your tithes and your contributions? 
You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. That was the result of not being a faithful giver. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 33. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. And everyone who has left house or brother or sister or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. The Lord promises if we be faithful to give, he will be faithful to provide our needs. I remember when Mary Beth and I were young and married. We just got married, and, uh, you know, I had a job that barely paid over minimum wage, right? Mary Beth, she had a part-time job and was going to school. We had nothing. We had very little. And so we didn't give like we should give. Oh, we gave when we'd go to church. I'd dig in my pocket, and I'd see what was in there. And, and you know, if, if it was a five, I'd throw a five in the offering plate. If it was a ten, I'd throw a ten in the offering plate. If it was twenty, I might put it back. Right? Uh, we gave, but it wasn't regularly, and it wasn't the tithe. But then the Lord convicted us. He convicted us that we should be giving our first fruits to him. And we should be giving the starting point, the tithe. And it was hard. We sat down and we looked at our bills and we looked at our, how much we made and we're like, I don't know how this is going to work. But we're going to trust God. And we started writing that paycheck out, or we started writing that check out, that first check out to God. And I don't know how, but he provided for our needs. No, we didn't have a lot. We didn't instantly become rich or anything like that. There was times that we like, I don't know how we're going to make it to the next paycheck. We're, we're having to scrounge. We had to eat some beans from time to time and, and beans and rice, rice and beans, right? We had to do all of that. But every time, God provided for our need. And he'll provide for your need. You'll only be faithful to give. If you will be faithful to give to God, God will be faithful to provide your needs. You know, in all of this, God is the perfect example of a good steward. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his first fruit, his son, his only son, Jesus Christ, to come to this world and to die a death on Calvary's cross for our sins so that we might have eternal life in his kingdom. Let me tell you, dear friends, where stewardship begins, if you want to be a good steward, stewardship begins by giving your life to Christ. If you haven't given your life to Christ, no amount of money, whatever you put in the offering plate, will make no utter, utter difference to you. The first act of stewardship is giving your life Christ by trusting that he died for you and gave his life for you and that he's been raised again promising you eternal hope in him if you haven't trusted in Jesus today give yourself to him be a good steward with your life give him your old sin-stained life and the return is great he gives you everlasting life in his eternal kingdom. If you've trusted in the Lord, be a good steward by giving your wallet over to God. Honor the Lord with your wallet. Trust him to provide your every need and honor him as he has called you to honor him. Honor the Lord today with your wallet. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we confess our own weakness, Lord. How often we're tempted to not give as you have called us to give. To not trust in your power to provide for us. Oh, Lord, we pray that today we would be faithful to give not only our lives, but to give our wallet to you, Lord. Do with it as you will. Help us, Lord, to be faithful stewards of all that you have given to us by giving a portion back to you. And Lord, I know today there must be someone here who has never trusted in Jesus. May they start the journey of being a good steward by giving their life over to Christ today. Help them to see him in all of his glory and trust in him. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.